0: folks you know you're in for a treat when you hear that sound because it's time for another week of the wreck poker podcast i'm so happy to be here i've got the best job in the world uh, my name is jim reed and um, you can find out more about me by going to poker slash uh, jim or you can find out by the re- about the rest of the wrecking crew by going to rec.poker slash crew and uh, i've got one of the wrecking crew members with me here today uh, rob Washam. why don't you tell the world where they can reach you
1: I'm Rob Washam, and my handle is Rabman50, just about anywhere you can find me.
0: (laughs) And uh, Rob's one of the great uh, folks behind the scenes here that make everything work, along with uh, website Amps, Mark Prashan, and of course the great team at Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino that help us keep the lights on here every month. Um, And I want to take a moment here just to thank a couple folks who have joined our premium membership over the last little while. Uh, This is definitely my favorite way for folks to interact with Rec Poker. Is through the premium membership training stuff that we do here, uh, conversations with pros, strategy discussions, um, hanging out with poker celebrities, and just getting more kind of quality time with each other over Zoom and in the um, other engaging opportunities like that. So specifically, Harold Barry, who has been a lot of fun having him in the conversations. Um, we've had we've exchanged some cool uh, strategic insights, and Elizabeth Bennett Martin, another of my Canadian friends up here. Uh, who I know has a lot going on right now with the new company that she's starting. But Elizabeth, thanks for joining the Premium Membership and for uh, being such an insightful member of our panel in the conversations that we've had over the last little while. So speaking about insightful members of the panel, um, one of the people that's doing a lot more work with Rec Poker lately is Gareth James, who uh, is no stranger to the show. You've heard of him before. He's the genius behind the MTT Poker Academy and all the other great coaching and training material and programs that go over on uh, at the MTT Poker School. Um, so, Gareth, thank you so much for coming back to the show and for dropping some knowledge bombs on us.
2: Well, thanks, uh, thanks very much for having me back on. I can't uh, can't have done too bad a job on the first uh, first time <laughs> through. Hey, so it's always good to get invited back on to something
0: <laughs> that's right it tells you that you're doing something right I think that's good that's a good advice <laughs> So since we last spoke, um, why don't we just start with talking about what we're doing together on these uh, Saturdays So since we last spoke, um, you've gotten more involved with your own MTT poker Academy and we'll talk about that in a bit um, and you're sharing some of that great knowledge with our Rec poker uh, premium members So on the third Saturday of uh, the month, Every month, we're going to, or at least for a while, we're going to be hosting this Q and A study group where Breck Poker members can come to talk to you about the training material that you're sharing with our members every month. So, in the first month, you shared a video um, about flop play, uh, how to uh, flop strategy when you're in position as the pre-flop ranger, as a pre-flop raiser with about forty big blinds. And we spent like 75 minutes, I think, in our session, just talking about different board textures and sizing. And I know um, the next video you've got available for our members is about the turn. And we're going to get together on January 15th and talk about turn strategy. So first of all, um, just thanks so much for getting more involved in rec poker and for sharing this information with recreational players like us, because I think this is exactly the kind of thing that we need to be thinking about. Um, Is there something about... Sort of the recreational player, or something a bit like you, you have a very you have a very clear educational approach to coaching and training. I know you've got a history as an educator. Um, can you just speak a little bit about like that philosophy and how you think you connect well with players like us?
2: Sure, I mean, I guess it all comes back round to when i was I was a teacher, so as you mentioned about having the education background. But at the same time as being a teacher, I was a part-time player, right? So I, I used to um, play when I could. Uh, as, a, as a teacher, it was a lot of hours, so I wasn't playing too much in term time. But school holidays, definitely getting in there, battling, uh, especially in the summer holidays, we had like six weeks off, six weeks to, to play. Uh, there was a time when I was a teacher when I used to teach for, you know, get to school at 7.30, leave at 6, come home, log straight on play an online session, go to bed at 2am, rinse and repeat. And uh, yeah, I definitely don't recommend that to anybody else. <laughs> else <so. laughs> don't do that, guys. Let, learn. As I say, in a lot of my coaching and a lot of my live streams, learn from my mistakes, you know, um, let's, uh, you don't copy any of this. <laughs> um, the mistake part, obviously the good stuff you should uh, yeah <laughs> take on board. Um, well, so yeah, that- so
0: go ahead yeah I mean that that's one thing just right off the top I think you know recreational players especially you know people that like to listen to podcasts and kind of like learn passively and on their own I think we feel like we need to learn from our own mistakes and I think the even just a part of a learning mindset the the notion that you can actually learn from other people's mistakes that you don't actually have to feel that pain yourself um that is that is something that we, we should all do better um than that why other people can kind of show us some shortcuts or ways to learn the lesson without actually feeling the pain um ourselves. So I think that's exactly what we should be doing as well, well, well yeah, put. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: The uh I mean, I used I have had coaching in the past, of course, and the, one of the biggest gripes for me was that um some coaches are not prepared to just be humble and say, hmm. you know what, like I got it wrong. Like we as poker players, there's no poker player in the world, I don't think, that can play every hand perfectly. Um, and you never want to feel, in my opinion, like you've got to that point where you're playing perfectly. There should always be something to uh, to take from your session uh, to learn, right? So if you feel like you've got to the point point, you're like, yeah, I'm not learning anything more, um, I don't want to learn anything more, I think I'm playing perfectly, you need to have a serious look at your game because there's probably so much that you're not getting right, whether it's like choosing the wrong bet sizing or um, the strategy is completely wrong, you're thinking about hands in the wrong way. Um, so yeah, I think the most important thing is to, is to, is to be humble. Um, and certainly, you know, I've done some, uh, live study streams before and we go through a hand, I completely butchered it and that's okay. (laughs) And that's okay. Right. There's no like, Oh yeah. But if we change the parameters a little bit, you know, if the big blind doesn't play this way, then all of a sudden my hand looks really good. I see that a lot in training videos and it's like, guys, just, just be okay with making a mistake (laughs) and learning from it.
0: (laughs) I love that. Yeah, and I think you know, we've we've talked before about how uh, you know you you really do never stop learning or finding ways to improve. And if you do, what it really means is that you've just you're, you're not you don't know what to look at to find those areas, right? So, um, and, and you do you do a lot of uh, like like uh, live work with players in webinars, and so there's a lot of interaction and feedback. Um, so, how how valuable do you think it is? Just to have someone who's not you looking at your game and just sort of like seeing the stuff that maybe you're too close to it to, to see yourself.
2: Yeah, it's the it's the classic. You don't know what you don't know, mm. right? It's the unconscious incompetence. That's where a coach is going to really uh, be really valuable because they're going to be able to identify things that you weren't even aware were wrong. Um, that's something that I've been been working on recently, actually, because. Uh, a lot of players have approached me and said, "Can you, you know, can you go through my game? Can you highlight the the different areas of my game that I need to work on?" Um, it's kind of linked with the sort of this feeling of overwhelm. The the there's there's so much content out there. There's so much training material out there that it can sometimes be confusing or overwhelming to know. Well, where do I start? So, sort of with these two ideas, one people coming to me and saying like i don't know where to start you know can you help me identify some areas uh, to work on plus the sort of sheer volume of of content out there um i decided that i would put some content together myself that helps you identify these leaks um because again one of the the sort of the leaks i guess of uh, of training content um is that there's just sometimes it's there's just like oh here's a Random video on this. Here's a random video on this. Here's a random hand history. Here's uh, some you know random ICM videos. And I think like you might not be ready to explore ICM. You might not. You are know, still working on like what your preflop ranges should be. So you don't want to be suddenly going to final table strategy or ICM or anything like that because there's still so much of the fundamentals uh, to learn. So everyone's everyone's different um i think a lot of the content as well assumes that like everyone's coming from this, you know at the same stage uh oh, mm. everybody needs help with this particular topic but some people will be good at certain areas and and uh weaker in others so it's really important as a well certainly as a coach to be able to help you identify those those uh big leaks the the areas for improvement uh so that you're not wasting time just watching random videos trying to you know just work work randomly on different things and then you're like you, you know you get to the end of the month and you think well what do i actually learn like how is this benefiting my game whereas if i said to you oh i, I noticed you're not c-betting enough in position as a preflop raiser right it, this is one thing that uh, i see all the time people think they are c-betting enough but it's nowhere nowhere near enough um and so as, as once we've highlighted that you can as uh you mentioned earlier working with the uh, rec members there the flop strategy in position is a pre-flop raiser, um, You you know, you know can actually learn specific topics that are going to help you. So rather than, you know, finish a hand, you know, let's say that you, I tell you that uh, this is your league, right? You're not C-betting enough uh, in position against the big blind. Then you mark some hands, right? And then you run them in a solver, right? And you, you look in and you say, Ace King, was that a C-bet? Um, and that's no good, right? Looking at individual hands and going, you know, giving yourself a pat on the back if it was a C-bet and you did C-bet or you know uh whatever the word is scolding chastising whatever like oh you you got it wrong like you idiot what are you doing like that's not very helpful but if you can approach uh spots you know i've identified that area for you then you can look at like button versus big blind and you can look across all different types of boards and develop a a really solid understanding of, of how to approach uh approach that spot
0: yeah, because it's not like 20 years ago where there were only a couple good sources of poker strategy out there. Like now there are so many videos, so many books, lots of different ways to engage with other knowledgeable poker players. Um, and I think, I think finding the right fit from a coaching and, and learning point of view is important. But I think, as you said, like really the most important part is just distilling, like not, not even that so much, just really just saying like, what are the subsets of this game that you need to start working on? And then that can be a fairly general abstract conversation where you're just like, let's just talk about all the different areas where we could study, find the low-hanging fruit where you're going to make the biggest yield, and then, and then get a little more granular and detailed on how to study those specific su- subjects. Because I can see how... That way you sort of get to understand the context for it. You get to kind of understand how it works within the, the overall strategy. And it's not just a bunch of math and concepts sort of like washing over you <laughs> every month yeah. without, uh, without ever anything to anchor to. So how do you approach that um, at the MTT uh, Poker Academy? Because I know you have like a series of modules that allow uh, the individual students to kind of pick what they want to work on. And yeah. how do you help them figure out what are their areas uh, that they need to work on themselves?
2: So, yeah, I started off, so two years ago, I'd started off um, this, uh, what what is now the Academy, um, but it originally was just a, a group coaching program. Um, but that didn't sound sexy enough. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we changed, uh, changed the name. Um, but, you know, it was a group coaching program. And I I wanted to basically um uh produce a whole course on the most uh you know the most important topics or concepts within tournament poker and over the course of two years i did sort of essentially one module every single month and put together 24 modules um that that do tackle the the, the most important concepts within within tournament poker um and then what i realized was that when, as new members were coming in i was just saying right well here's all the content Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's just like that was just never gonna work. So I realized actually people are coming at this from different points. And the thing is with the academy, we're not just um you know, we, we take on players of, of different skill levels, but also different buy-in levels, right? So um it's important to to be able to um help. Player of, of any ability identify uh, their leaks or and player of any stakes as well. So sometimes we you know we normally say that like you know beginner intermediate players might be playing low and mid stakes, but mm. there are there are you know you only need to watch some high stakes whole uh, cards that replays on YouTube to see that there are some clearly very affluent people, uh, but <laughs> um, <laughs> with not a lot of poker skill um, playing these games. So it you know that's not it's just not always it's not always uh, correlated. Um, so yeah, because uh, the way that way it works, I, I put together this this content. Um, so it's pre-flop and post-flop uh, leak or identifying your own leaks for pre-flop and post-flop. Um, so it does rely on you having a decent database uh, mm. of hands. Um, so one of the things I'm trying to like, just think about how this would actually work uh, for, for players, uh, maybe in the States who don't get to play online as much or uh, for live players, it's a bit more bit more challenging Um, but for those players that have a decent sample of hands in their database online it's really easy to you know go through the the module see you know track your stats um, compare them to where they should be Uh, because what we're looking for here is not one that's you know let's say that your CBET number was uh 53 right in positions 53 that's way off where it needs to be sort of you're looking at like 85 percent right um, but if your number was eighty-two, well, you know you're kind of close. Like, yeah, okay, there's probably some some work to to do there. But there are probably some some other things uh, to work on. You know, you're gonna trying to get that extra three percent. You could be using that time to to improve other areas of your game. So there's um, so what we're looking for here is that the stats that are way off. You know, and sea betting in position tends to be too low. Sea betting out of position tends to be too high. Three bedding tends to be too low. Um fold to C bet tends to be too high, fold to turn and river bet seems to be too high as well. Um, So there are a lot, yeah, there are lots of things uh that we can um that we can we can look at um within um yeah within that. But you can work through now. So I used to, you know, when I did it one on one, I used to have a form, you fill in the form, you you know, I can easily see where your numbers are at. Um, What I realized is that obviously I, I have limited time. To be able to um, to do one-on-one session with somebody, uh, so I wanted to be able to help people identify their leaks um, you know, on a on a bigger scale. Uh, so I yeah I put together this this module, and yeah, you should be able to work through that and see where your numbers are at, how it compares to where they should be, and then you go, oh yeah, right, that's way off. That's where I'm going to sp- spend some time studying, and then from there you're going, okay, so what you know, whatever the spot is, maybe you uh fold too much to flop c bets well, we've got a module for that you know you mm-hmm. go and learn how to how to approach flop strategy from out of position maybe you're not barreling the turn enough or you're barreling too much we've got a module for that turn strategy in position as a pre-flop raiser so um yeah it should be pretty easy now to identify leaks and then go straight to the content and not get overwhelmed Mm-hmm. By 24 modules, and me just love like, throwing you in there and saying, "Yeah, good luck."
0: <laughs> yeah, because it's kind of the same problem, right? It's like there's all this yeah. information. Where do I start? And especially for recreational players like us, you know, there's an opportunity cost for that study time. Because um, we only have we have a lot of us have jobs. You know, we have yeah. families. We have only so much time to play and study. So if we're studying things that we're not getting a great return on you know, that's kind of the opportunity cost of that is, is, is large. I think, you know, we talk about recreational vocal players having like an inchworm approach to, to getting better as a player. So, you know, we all want to be making our a game even better and advancing that front of the inchworm and getting closer to being a perfect player, but it's the, it's our C game. It's the, the, the biggest mistakes that we're making behind that we actually need to advance. We need to close those leaks. We need to plug those leaks that are causing the most damage that there are at the bottom of our game, bring them up. And uh, that's how we're going to get, that's how we're going to start making more money, performing better um, understanding poker better. Uh, there's, there's, there's never going to be a, a, a shortage of chances to work on the front of your game, but mm-hmm. you know, you're mostly for players like us, we're going to see big results uh, trying to just fix the worst part of our game. Yeah. So would you talk about like having like a database there is that like do you use poker tracker 4 or holdem manager or something else like that
2: Yeah I use poker tracker but I have you know members of the academy and using holdem manager some of you even using hand uh, to note so Yep yeah any of the those
0: three uh, I think there are others available but I haven't seen them for a for a while mm-hmm. and 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 then people can i guess can go through that module even you know every six months or once a year or something like that and kind of establish some benchmarks for themselves and see how they're yeah. how they're doing yeah, by yeah comparison
2: so yeah i i mean i definitely uh, recommend doing it every six months uh yeah. it would depend on how many how much volume you're you're able to put in but the thing is over a course of say 12 months your game's gonna evolve quite a lot good point um, so you uh, yeah every six every six to 12 months yeah i think uh, it would be good um my i tend to do it at the end of a series uh so mm. say a scoop or a w coop um not always six months apart but um you know might might work out so may and november maybe something like that sure uh, could work out pretty well um uh, so yeah i would do it every six months you also want to like not just in case in the sense of i uh, you know continuing to identify your leaks but also to actually track your progress mm. because part of confidence in your game is knowing that you're actually making progress when perhaps your results you know aren't a true reflection of of your of your improvement right you could win a tournament doesn't mean you've got any better you could brick 200 tournaments in a row doesn't mean you're getting worse like it's just you know tournament variance whereas if you see your win rate going up or you see that your c number is going in the right direction or you see that um you're three betting, you know, three betting more frequently, or you're three betting from the right right positions more frequently. Then, and and this and these are things that you're working on. Then that you know you can build a, you can feel confident uh, in, you know, that you're making the the right improvements in the right areas. Yes,
1: Rob, you were you talked about a review every six months or so. Is that the, isn't that more dependent on the number of hands you played in that time period? I mean, what is that? What would that number be? Um, that you would be searching for to make to make an evaluation of, hey, have I really improved or have I degressed?
2: Yeah, good. Uh, it's a really good question. Um, so, I, I think that hundred thousand hands is a is a is a good number of hands. Um, but I recognise that recreational players or serious amateurs or players part time players who have full time jobs not always able to get in a hundred thousand uh, hands. Um, on average, I want to say that there's, you, you play something like a hundred hands per tournament. So you know, sometimes you play three hands, and sometimes you play four hundred. And um, I want to say something on average is is around a hundred. So a hundred thousand hands is only a thousand tournaments. Um, but yeah, that might still be uh, a lot of a lot of tournaments. Um, and then over six months, maybe just fifty thousand hands, so half half that amount. Um, but yeah, you're right. You, you've kind of it's a, it's a balancing act between wanting to Uh, sort of see the progress over time. But is that time six months or is it 100,000 hands? Um, Mm. Sometimes 100,000 hands is going to be four years of of play. Your game is, well, we hope is going to be very different, you know, now (laughs) compared to where it was four years ago.
0: Yeah, that's a good point because I guess, um, you know, players like us that are playing only so many hours in a week and working and studying, we're actually probably doing um you know our our game is getting a lot better per tournament played than someone who's just out there like playing you know 20 tournaments every day uh i don't know maybe that's not really true gareth what do you think is a good mix of time spent playing and time spent studying when it comes to actually getting better as a player and maybe it's different from person to person but i think you know some some people that really like studying feel like well if i just spend all my time studying i'm definitely getting better um, and some people that feel like they just get better on the felt. Um, is there a, a right answer to that? Or do you have a personal preference?
2: I mean, I've got no way of quantifying this, but I would say that you're much, you're you're more likely to get better if you study than if you spend a lot of time on the felt. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of players who feel like they get better um, by playing are those players who are going to be sort of uh, biased in their, uh, right you know they they've witnessed certain things and that's affecting their strategy and that's that's guiding their strategy um so i would try to avoid that i mean it's a million dollar question as to the ratio if you're a losing player you should be studying more than playing um, once you get to a certain point though you need to be playing more than studying otherwise there's you know you're leaving money on the table um uh so yeah i i, I it's so so tough to to know exactly what the ratio is um but then as i said like it will depend if you're a winning player or or a losing player um and going back to what we were talking about at the start about being humble and honest you know if you are a losing player that's okay like study more um but if you're yeah you you've got to make sure that you're actually honest with yourself as to where mm. you're at, right? You don't want to say, "Well, I'm a winning player, so I'm just going to like ninety-five table uh, every to- every session," um, <laughs> because you probably got you know loads of loads of leaks. Um, you got to be really careful with that.
0: And I think it's especially live players; it's easier to kind of fall into that trap because you don't see as many hands. You're not a very reliable narrator yourself about your own play, right? And I think also people kind of conflate feeling more comfortable with being better at poker, you know? And it's Mm -hmm. just like, oh, well, I'm not so nervous at the tables anymore. I guess I'm better at poker. It's like, well, no, you're more experienced. Um, Mm -hmm. And that definitely is an advantage. But um, for players that do play more live, what's a good way for them to actually be honest with themselves like how, how can they pay attention to results or to things that that they can anchor to in that way because i know online is just so easy to pull up poker tracker and have all your information there available um but uh for live players is there is there a way that they can kind of like give themselves a little kick in the butt and look in that mirror when they need to um the good i mean i don't know it's a so it's a good question uh, so, yeah, we talk about people like taking notes and like you know good yeah. record keeping. Obviously,
2: one of the the biggest sort of non-strategy leaks that I see is that the the lack of um, de- lack of attention to detail when it comes to a hand history from a live player. Mm. So you 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 say to them, right? Make sure you you know um, note down some hands. You know, make sure you look at the action, the bet size, stack sizes, stuff like that. What was the board? Um and and then you get a response which is okay so i raised and the big blind called and flop came ace high so, <laughs> i bet and he raised and i didn't know what to do <laughs> right. <laughs> like right uh, okay so stack size stage of the tournament uh how big did you raise uh, what position were you in what what's your hand um what's the board you know there's there are so many so many things and and I guess that's the challenge of, of live play i mean i don't play a lot of live poker um you know most of my poker is is online, and I think yeah maybe i don't understand it fully i'm you know I'm spoilt because every hand that I play is tracked and i can I can review it the next day or review it straight uh straight after the session there has to be a has to be a a way a more efficient way or just an efficient way of uh of noting down hands so that you mm. can you know uh, you know, share them with your coach or with your friend or um, study group or something like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's tough. I, know, I get. Yeah, that.
1: That, that's funny the way you say that because um, you'll find that people that play a lot of online poker and then do their tracking with Poker Tracker, when they get into a live setting, they understand that you need to know what those stack sizes are and you need to know <laughs> what position it was, you know. And so when you talk to somebody who does it both, they're usually more uh, forthcoming with all the information, yeah, uh, than somebody who just plays live.
0: And Rob, you take really good notes live. Like, yeah, this is uh, I'm like Gareth. I'm I'm spoiled by online play. Most of my play is online, and I actually feel like I have a bit of a handicap when I play live because my brain isn't just used to doing all that pot calculation math and you know paying attention to what everyone's stack sizes all the time because that's all on my computer in my HUD whenever I need it. So you've taught me a lot, Rob, about um, note-taking at the tables and particularly when it comes to uh profiling villains do you have a way to sort of track your results live as well um because i know there's like and then you know kim kilroy shared some keyboard with us for your phone that you can use symbols yep. and stuff there's the hand history, so that keyboard. Hand history keyboard that's handy yep. oh, i know nice. there's some apps out there that you can enter your results cool. in and things like that as well but uh wh- what about you rob
1: well, I just I don't play a lot online anymore or live as much as I used to, but what I do is I keep track of every every time the blind level changes hmm. on my phone, I'll put in what my stack is at that time. So then any hands that happen within that, I got a kind of a good feel for where I'm at stack wise. Nice. And then I'll put some specific hands in there. And then at the end of the tournament I'll put how I finished. You know, did I finish, you know, a hundredth out of 250 and not in the money or did I finish in first? So that's where that's where the tracking comes in. So if I really want to go back and see what I did, I can go back and look. But basically I just do it by blind level. Every time the blind level changes, I go and put in my phone what the blind level is, what my stack is. So then any hands that come in between there, I've got a pretty good idea of what the stack sizes were. Nice.
0: Yeah, I think like recording it in real time has to be the key because otherwise we're never going to be able to remember the details yep. afterwards cool well um gareth i know we've uh, kept you for about as long as we uh made you promise for uh, the next um session that we're doing is on the turn uh, strategy in positions the pre-flop razor so um can i is this in the earlier session we would get to the flop being the uh, pre-flop razor in position and it was a question of on all these different board textures um, which, what should our C betting frequency be? And when we do C bet, uh, to what size? So that's, and, and I think that's just like the brick, the, the building blocks of everything we should be thinking about poker is encapsulated into that module. So I was really pleased with that and the way that everyone enjoyed it. How do we take that to the turn? Are we going to look at the situations both where we C bet on the flop and where we didn't see bet on the flop? Are we going to, exp- uh, what's, how do we approach sort of the next street while still looking at everything, but also kind of staying focused on what's important.
2: Yeah. So uh, we, the module we are looking at is as if you see, see c- c- flop and then um, yeah, then you're on the turn uh, as the, yeah, as the person that see c- bet see c- better the flop. So you're still the aggressor um, and the, there's some really cool things that happen on the turn. So um, just as a, Quick spoiler: um, the uh, when you like you as the in position player against the big blind, you get to see bet a lot. Generally, because uh, your equity is a lot higher, you have a nut advantage as well. Um, not always, you know. There are some boards where the equities run a lot closer together. Your opponent often you know can have a nut ad, uh, nut advantage instead, um, and those those might be the boards that we end up doing more checking on. Um, but when we have such an advantage in position and we see bet a lot and our opponent still uh, sorry our opponent calls all of a sudden we've cbet everything they folded all their garbage so what happens is the equities actually run closer together um and then the t- and then that's even before the turn card comes out right so we've gone from you know, really high frequency c bet because we've got all the advantages because we've got position equity nut advantage all of these things going on um and then our opponent calls everything everything changes and then we then we see a turn card and um there's a way of grouping turn cards together so another spoiler and the uh you know the we go from the flop which i i think you can group you can group flops you know in a, in a lot of different ways um and then the turn i think you can group the turn cards into six probably um and yeah, I mean, so I've kind of like yeah, For anyone who's listening to this who who hasn't watched that that wants, uh watched that flop module, um, base the the basic idea is that rather than saying I've got ace king and the flops ace six three, what do I do? You're approaching it from the case of button versus big blind forty, big blinds deep, and um, you know what's the board? How would you describe the board? It could be ace six three, but I would call that ace rag rag or you, know, you get a paired board, or you get um, a monotone board. Lots of different ways to uh, to group these boards together. Um, and thankfully, we can do that. Otherwise, we'd have to learn seventeen hundred and fifty five strategic different <laughs> flops, which right. is probably going to be outside most humans' <laughs> capabilities. Yes, that um, So then, yeah. So then we've got that idea, and we're like, okay, we can approach flops. And it, yeah, this same same technique works for three bit pots. it works for mm-hmm. being out of position as a pre-flop raiser it works for being out of position as pre-flop caller um it works for uh, multi-way as well um you can always you know categorize flops and approach it from from that point of view rather than your exact hand and that's you know what we're always taught focus on range you know what does your range want to do here and then okay what does my you know what does my hands do um so then when we get to the turn the turn change. The turn can change everything. So you know the turn could be a complete blank, um, but it could also pair the board. It could also um, be an overcard or an ace. Those are quite important uh, cards. It could complete a straight. It could uh, complete a flush. So you have got to think about all of these things. Um, and once you once you approach the sort of the strategy from from that point of view, and approach a hand from that point of view, then poker strategy gets a lot easier because you're sort of reducing the complexity of of the of each you know each hand, each game tree, um, to to something that's probably well hopefully more manageable for humans.
0: Yeah. And that one point I want to jump off on there and then Rob, if you've got something to close us out. Um, this notion that I think recreational players in particular need to do a better job at, and you just nailed this, Gareth, right off the bat, is, you know, you're C betting because people overfold to see bet So you're see betting with a really wide range to a really small sizing typically in these spots. The reason you're doing it is because your opponent folds a lot. So then when they don't fold, what is left in their range? <laughs> you know, they've already <laughs> folded all these garbage hands. I think that's something that we don't do enough at um, as recreational players is thinking about, okay, we're using Flopzilla, we've clicked the filter button now, what has actually passed through that filter? You know, like what what, what, what has our opponent's range contorted itself into since we've taken this action? And particularly when we do things with like larger sizings, people continue and then we're like, oh, but how often does he really have X, um, you know, here? I'm like, well, no, because he folded a lot of that non-X stuff earlier. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's... That's something that we just need to do a better job of paying attention to. And I think the way that you talk about it and the way that we kind of graphically visually reference it in the learning materials, um, makes it really easy for players to just kind of like see it and have that aha moment. Um, where it's just like, Oh, well actually that, that is what that range looks like in that kind of a spot. Now that really helped me think about poker a lot for sure. Rob, did you have something?
1: There? Well, I was just going to say, um, the, this is really timely what Gareth is doing with us because it's matching directly with what we're doing with the book study right. in modern poker theory. Uh, we we just finished the whole chapters on uh, raising pre-flop and then the C-betting and then defending against the bet And the next session, we're going to be getting into turn strategies, which is going to be on the 19th. So right. It's going to be like just a few days after you know we do the turn strategy with Gareth. So it's going to the two of them are just going to match up so well together that I think people are, can take advantage of what Gareth is going to be doing and then what we're going to also be ta- talking about in the book study and bring those two together and really see how it all works. And I just wanted to put a shout out there because in the book study, right at that point of the turn strategy, he mentions a book called. Pur- purposeful purposeful practice for poker <laughs> what he's saying it should be the book that everybody's reading uh, so that they could practice this stuff and i know you're familiar with that book gareth
2: <laughs> just just a bit yeah I, I so i was reading uh modern poker theory um a while ago and got to that page and i thought hang on a minute that's 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 our book <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought yes, that, was, uh, that was really cool one How thing about cool. that book as well he so um Michael groups the, the flops together as well but in a in a different way um so uh fr- from the way that I that I approach it so I think you know there's there's more than one way to skin a cat uh as as it were and you yeah, know you got to go with which which way you uh which way you prefer so yeah it'd be interesting to see how it works like having read the book and looking at the way he categorizes mm. flops to then the way that I categorize them and and you know I'm not going to be offended if you prefer his, his way, Um, but yeah, some, I'm sure some of you will, will like the way that I've uh, done it as well.
1: It's probably just a blend of both, you yeah. know, that, that will work for most people. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah well, I like that. It was, uh, it was cool seeing that in the book as we were just talking about that book, um, in your other session, Gareth, in the, uh, in the flop class as well, talking about yeah. places where people could get, um, could get some help to start thinking about that, conceptually, um, because mm-hmm. that's really what it takes. And then just like you said earlier, and then then we can find these examples and work a little more concretely on the on the examples and the details and how to apply it. But uh, uh, yeah, so, and I, I'll just tell, so folks, if you're listening to this, this comes out on Tuesday, January 11th. So if you want to join us on Saturday, the 15th at uh, one o'clock Eastern noon central, it was at five, uh six six p.m. uh six, six Greenwich. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh so that's happening this Saturday. We'll be talking live with Gareth. All premium members are welcome to join that. And then the following Wednesday, the book study, uh Rob will be going through that very section of Michael Acevedo's uh modern poker theory. And if you want to do that to become a premium member at Rec Poker, all it costs is five dollars. Uh go to rec.poker and sign up. Use code rec poker to get that first month for only five bucks. And join us. Get your pins shipped out to you free. There's all sorts of good reasons to join up in January. Well, Gareth, uh, thank you so much for coming on here. Rob, did you have another question there before we let the man get no, get off to his all. supper?
1: I just uh, I I enjoy poker on the mind. Listen to it all the time. Um, I think you guys are great together. Uh, you got a lot of great information. So I encourage everybody out there to listen. It's great, great podcast. Yes
2: that's great rob i mean you've done a much better job of plugging the book and the podcast uh, than I have. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate that
0: um well yeah gareth yeah, you've been you've been contributing to the poker world for years and years and i like i think the first time that we worked like worked together i was to, taking one of your free webinars feels like forever ago uh talking about um Talking about post flop uh, hand ranging, um, where where are the, the what is the best way for folks to reach you and what are some areas that you're working on right now that you'd like to people to pay more attention to?
2: Uh, so I guess head on over to mtpokerschool.com uh, for for everything that you need. Basically, uh, if you're interested in improving your tournament poker game, um, you know it depends on where you're at. You know if you're if you're a newer player to the game or you you enjoy. Uh, free content then there's you know youtube there's uh, twitch live streams uh, there's the podcast you know there's information about all of this uh on on the website and if you do want to take your game further um there are three three routes with me i have my online course that i mentioned before uh there's the academy um that jim mentioned and then um there's one-on-one coaching as well so all the infos on on the website if you want to to check that out then uh, yeah go
0: ahead Nice, and if folks head over to rec.poker/resources, they can probably even find a little discount code to uh, mm-hmm. start start the new year off on the right foot. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I can't I can't tell folks enough. Um, you know, Gareth really knows what he's talking about. He's got a great. Uh, coaching manner. He's really got, he just really knows how to connect with people and how to talk about poker in a way that, uh, that makes sense for them. So I do encourage people to go and check that out and listen to the podcast and everything else. So um, Gareth, keep shining your light in the poker world, man. Uh, Thank you so much for your time here. And uh, we'll look forward to talking with you again sometime soon, I hope. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Take care. All right. Well, without any further ado, then I'll thank Gareth James and Rob Washam for joining me here. Uh, Website Amp and Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino. And all of you, the listeners, for making this happen. Talk to you again soon.